I really love the definition by Joanna Macy of an activist being anybody who is active for a purpose that is bigger than personal gain. In the Shoalhaven, we're getting flogged by climate change, by fires and floods and extreme weather that is increasing in severity and frequency. We are in a time of great uncertainty, of grief and of despair. But I see women working together. Women who are using their unique skills, their creativity and their values to work within their capacity to care for planet and for people. Welcome to Active and Effective. I'm Sheree. Bolawani Naga, Takisa Frank Banaga, Aboriginal Gainja. Hello, my name is Takisa Frank and I'm a proud Aboriginal woman. Naga Banja Jin Nayawanya Darida. I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land, the people of your nation. Naga Banja Biyayin Bagunguyin Bugiya Banawe Babunja Yuan Wanana Yahweh Nawe. I would like to pay respect to elders both past and present and extend that respect to any other Aboriginal people listening to this podcast. So I first met June, my guest today, and her husband Lex at the forest in Manana. We were both a part of protests to protect the unburnt wildlife refuge. It is under threat of development that has been approved under outdated environmental laws. Similar battles are facing communities up and down the coast and the battle to protect this forest is ongoing and it continues today. I knew of June and her husband Lex Frew and their involvement in the RFS over many years. My partner Luke had his first fire training under Lex at the beginning of his career in firefighting over 25 years ago and has a lot of respect for Lex. The whole community was rocked by the horror story of what happened on New Year's Eve of firefighting volunteers and wildlife carers, June and Lex, that were injured by fire on their own property. They were trying to protect the animals to save the wombats. Manana Matters' slogan that animals need homes too could really just be applied to the way that June has lived her whole life. She's dedicated to the wildlife and community. And I'm really excited today to welcome my friend June to Active and Effective. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you for coming, June. So we'll get into your story a little bit. I really want to know how and when you first became involved in wildlife care. Okay. um, My husband, Lex, was working... Um, bricklaying up in Nowa somewhere and on his way to work he actually saw um, a swamp wallaby laying on the side of the road being hit by a car and left and um, he could see movement so he stopped because he loves animals too Uh, he stopped and checked the pouch and there was a fine furred baby in the pouch uh, healthy and not injured fortunately and um, come straight home gave it to me and I just fell in love with it and anything else that hopped and called. (laughs) (laughs) And from then on, uh, there was no wildlife group in our area much at that time. 
And um, so I just did my own thing and um, with the vets. Um, they helped me explain the type of milk and food they have. And um, I used to walk around with him in a pouch like an animal and walk around the streets, let him taste different foods to see what he liked um, until he was strong enough. And then he was released eventually. And we called him um, Banjo, a good Aussie name, and um, took him up to a lady, Helen George, at Kangaroo Valley, who yeah. had been doing animals for quite a long time, years. And um, she released him at um, Pigeon House Mountain with a few others. And um, as far as I know, he was released, had a good, good, healthy life. Yeah. And that was... 32 years ago. Oh, that's a beautiful uh, story. So there was no, like, WIRES organisation or anything uh, like I that? I think WIRES was around, but not in, in our area for me to contact. I didn't know numbers and phone numbers and things. So um, the case of trial and error, and it all went well. Uh, I eventually actually mated him up with another girl, Cathy, I think I called her Tilly or something, and um, they, they... So I had two, actually, I released, the girl and the boy, so... Um, um, so that was, to me, a happy ending for them. They got to be back there where they belong. So and it all started with ben, Banjo, Banjo, the little rock wallabies. Yes. And then we formed a group. Um, I was one of the founding members of NANAS at that time, Native Animal Network Association. Lex and I and four others, I think. Okay. And yeah. from there we did. Um, we found people like-minded that were um, had been looking after animals for quite a period of time and they were good to fall back on as mentors. And um, so it just went from there. I mean, they've changed their name now, but um, I still think it was Nana's. I like that name. Yeah. And, and um, you probably have this whole uh, network of people that you've yes. met through doing this. Uh, a couple community. of very good friends that have been uh, 30 years. Uh, a very close friend of mine lives at Tom Long who does wombats. And she actually took on the, the uh, three little wombats I had when the fires went through that were in my house at the time. Small, small. Little and, babies, um, yeah. And released them back out on our property probably a couple of years ago. So awesome. A year ago, maybe. Mm. So June um, has had a long road of healing and operations for her fire injuries. Um, but June has continued to show up at the protests all along yeah. the way in every event that we've had with Menyana Matters and at a forest rally mm. recently. And I love that June's always there. Um, so tell me, can you tell me why it was so important for you to protect the forest in Manana that was unburnt after the fires? Okay, the reason why I, I didn't hear about that until I, well, I was in hospital, I think um, it came up from Bill at some stage and Melody brought it up about what was going on. That I didn't even know developers had bought it. I didn't think anything was ever going to be changed in that little area. And I used to live straight across the road in the okay. house there. Yes. So when I started to look after wildlife, I um, would release in there greater gliders, sugar gliders, bushtail possums, uh, ringtails I even had, owls, you know, the tawny frogmouth, they don't call it an owl, and uh, bandicoots, you name it, whatever I took in and, and so they survived, that would be where I would release them. So such, into this little piece yes. of bush in yeah. Manana. That... I called it Noah's Ark even back then because to me everything went into there because I could observe it as well. I could would sit out there overnight and just see how everyone was going, you know, were they coping and all that sort of thing. So um, awesome. I was pretty devastated when I heard they were going to start clearing that for homes, not yeah. animal homes. Yeah. And that should never happen. And then all the ones that have gone in there since those fires, because of those fires. Yeah, it really have, is. Uh, that and they're surviving Noah's there. You know, yeah. The kangaroos, the wallabies, everything. It looks why, amazing why in there now, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. it's greening up good. Yep. 
Yeah, why would you want to take that away? No, I can't so stand it. <laughs> tell me about the greater glider. So greater gliders have kind of come into our, our vision a lot lately yes. because because of how um, threatened they are and their uh, numbers have just been decimated by yeah. the fires, the by land trees. clearing, no. by logging, yeah. all the things. No old growth form anymore, that's not yeah. in our way. So um, tell me about this greater glider that you released into that forest. Okay, so we had a lady up the street and um, she had the most beautiful trees. She had the block of land backed onto that all that land up the street a bit further. Okay, yeah. And Glenn that lives in that street, yeah, he yeah. contacted me and said, I'm really concerned, I think this lady's going to chop this tree down. There would have been like six hollows in it and I was told that it could have been up to a 500, 600 year, I don't know, a year old tree. And uh, so I'd go up there for a few nights and just watch this, a white one. It was all like a yellowy white colour. I don't know what albino okay. type of greater glider. They have variances in colour, I think. I, That's I don't quite know. unusual yeah. to have that colour, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, whether it was a yellow-bellied one, I'm not sure because the colouring was like that all over. Okay. So I would go up and have a look and he would say through the daytime on hot days it would hang its tail out. It was like a you know cooling-off thing. Okay. And um, I just yeah. couldn't believe they would pull a tree down that many holes or even sell that block of land with that in it. Yeah. So um, we had to watch while they cut that tree down. God knows how many others might have been in there. We think it's a breeding tree because mm. she seemed to be there quite regularly. It was a female. So when they cut the tree down, we had to stand there and watch as that tree fell and hope that she wouldn't be caught underneath it. She came out gliding. So you, know, you knew that down. while the tree was being chopped that there was a glider in? Yes. Oh. But, you know, couldn't do anything. Council weren't worried, so she was allowed to do it, so... They couldn't wow. care less, I suppose. But so um, we kept it um, for two nights in, in a small aviary. I didn't want to. So it flew out as the tree it was hit being the ground. Flown. Yeah, hit the yeah. ground pretty hard, but no, no damage. Fortunately, we looked around into the hollows in case there was any young ones or anything she might have had. Yeah, uh, but she didn't. So for two nights, um, we held, make sure she wasn't injured, like, you know, sprained a leg or something. Mm. And that um, released her back across the road, which is her territory it was. So, yeah. But a lot of people told me Beringer Lake has quite a few, at, at that stage, had hollows. Yeah. Maybe they travel a little bit too. Yeah, and I've heard stories, really beautiful stories from Rustic um, Caravan yes. Park as well, where yeah. they, they did used to frequent. So, yes. Um, yeah, hopefully. There's still some hollow trees around, and we, we just hope, hope they'll so. come back into the <laughs> special spot. Up. Yeah, yeah. So. I also want to hear about your wildlife sanctuary home. So you used to live alongside the forest there in Manana. Across the road on Sunset yeah. Strip, yep. Yeah, and now um, you live out off Bendelong Road. Yes. So your your home is a sanctuary and over the years you've provided wombat care there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, can you tell me about um, how you came to have the wildlife sanctuary out there and what a soft release is and... Yeah. Well, that was probably the main reason why we wanted to get land and it was going at a good price at that time, a bit of bartering. And um, a soft release is where you are on that property. You can release them from where someone can watch in case anything goes wrong, which can happen. Mm-hmm. I couldn't pick an animal up and just dump it out in the bush and hope it survives. So I need to know there's burrows that it can get into. I had a, a compound built that you would have seen mm-hmm. and, um, and lots of tunnels they can go in and out of. And then once they're big enough, I would open the gate and just let them go and they can come and go until they feel comfortable to leave home. 
yeah. like a child. Sometimes we have, we, I, I think probably two I've brought back into care because um, they haven't coped the first time. Maybe I thought they were ready and they weren't. And um, so we bring them back into care for a little while, keep them closed in, feed them and everything else, and then try again and it seems to work the second time better. Yeah. So, um, so a soft release on my sanctuary would be, and any of our friends I know that release animals, is always on property where they've got caring, well, they call them caretakers, but they're caring people that have property and want to see that animal released and flourish. Yeah, and you were just, as we arrived here today, you were telling me about the visitors last night. So these are animals that you've soft-released yes. and they come back and see yeah. you. Do you want yeah. to...? Um, her name's Thursday. My girlfriend reared four or five in one hit and they're all Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday and Thursday, I think it was. Thursday's the only one I know that I see. She's been there for... She's on a fourth joey, so... Third joey, fourth joey, which is usually every two years. She would have been two years old before she had a joey. So, okay. so I'm guessing she's... About nine, ten years old, and I was walking around last night, phone in hand, talking to my mum, and then I just went, "Oh my god!" And she said, "What's wrong?" I said, "Oh, Wombat's just walked down past the paddock there with a tiny baby following behind," and I ran inside to get my camera or iPad, I think I usually use, and um, too late, it had gone too dark, but I could just see her going off into the bush with this little one. <laughs> That brings tears to my eyes. That, to oh. me, is the joy of the animals, is seeing that end result. Yeah. And I've had about three there out of all the ones I've released. I mean, I've had a lot of males, but three girls that survived fires have, have all come back and had joeys. Okay. So, um, that's, and the kangaroos, of course, but the wombats, definitely. So um, really good mum. Very aggressive, though. I got too close. <laughs> But that was a thrill for me. Yeah. yeah. I, I love exciting. that. I love that she's all feisty and protective of yeah. her babies Good as mom. well. Like, and yeah. massive. She's over 40 kilo. Biggest girl I've ever seen. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Big beautiful. mama. Lovely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I'll try again tonight. Yeah, what a precious <laughs> gift. We'd love to see some photos if you're able to I'll capture try. some of the babies. I'll try if I can get enough before it's dark. <laughs> So recently I went and had a little visit with my daughter out to June's property and it was really nice to get to know her a bit and to experience that really beautiful sanctuary that she's she's built there. And I'd love to go out at night and watch some wombats come in. That's on my things I want to do list. Um, but you told me a really beautiful story and, and I thought um, it would be great if you could share that today about one of your most memorable animal rescues that you've been involved in. And that would be the whale? Yeah. Okay, that's hopefully not too long a story. I um, had a phone call brought in by a couple that live up on the point, said that he found a small whale or dolphin he wasn't sure. So hopped in the car and went down and had a look. It was washed up onto the rocks and um, there was a bloke down there putting buckets of water over it to keep it moist. So a big decision was made. We ended up being in national parks at that time, I think yeah. Dave Cunningham. And um, we went straight back home quickly while someone was watching it and got lilo beds, the old-fashioned lilo beds that we had hidden somewhere, put them in the back of the ute. Are they inflatable ones? Yes. Like that, that you, you float up. down the lake on Yes. Them. Yeah, OK. Bubble yeah. ones, whatever, canvas. Um, yeah. We put the whale onto that so it wasn't a rough ride because it was quite uh, probably the length of the table. Um, yeah. But anyway... 
uh, and then put that in the back of the ute and took it over to um, Bendalong Boat Ramp where that little bay is. Yeah. And street lights on at night, which was great. Yeah. So um, she was lifted into there. Um, a, a man from a um, really nice bloke, I can't think of his name, sorry, came down from Orca. He was the president. Okay. And uh, Bill knows him, uh, the president. And he, he went in because we were holding it. Uh, Lex and I at that time, there wasn't too many people around, so we were both holding, walking her around. It was a female, and it was a melon-headed whale, which I have never heard of before. Okay. He thought at first it was a killer whale, but he said, no, no, definitely not. And um, so we called her Mel. She was still suckling from her mum, which was a worry, because she should have been with her mother. Okay. And a bit of a stormy weather. I think she must have got washed up in the rough seas. That's why the separation happened. And um, so all night we were all taking it in turns, swimming this whale around this, not knowing what we could have stood on. We didn't even think of all the sting, or stingrays. The stingrays there in that <laughs> bay, yeah. A couple of times it was a bit deep and I'd sink and I was holding the whale up while I'm underwater trying to get back up to a, more of a higher spot. Yeah. Uh, and then Lex would come in and then eventually when there was a few of us there, national parks all came with their um, crew mm-hmm. and, and took over, which was great. And... Um, we stood in circles and would let her free swim and she'd be ducking every now and she had absolutely no fear of us wow. and to me it was spiritual because she knew we were there she knew we were there to help we had to take all jewellery off that was um, you can't have jewellery while you're handling it we were told so um, yeah she never made any attempt to hurt us the only person she did have a go at was when we were down on the rocks, down the beach, at the back beach. Yeah. Um, some bloke come up and poked her in the eye and said, oh, that's dead. Well, she snapped at him. Oh. Deserved. Yeah, I'm but still alive. But never touched here. us at all. All the times we had our hands near her mouth, she could have had a go at us, but never did. It's like she knew we were helping. And I felt that so much, that she was so relaxed with us mm-hmm. and that we're trying to help. So all night that was going on to keep her breathing, let her go under now and then and come up and a little spout come out, water. Mm. And then they contacted uh, like a fishing trawler but with guests that you have on for um, doing big fish, big game fishing and okay. $1,000 a day at that time. They came out and um, they said that they have seen whales. I think Lex told me last night that it was um, something like um, I don't know, 15 k's. It was nearly to the horizon. It took an hour and a half to get out there by boat so they would practice with that whale with that boat being there they would practice putting her into a uh, like a sleeve thing to a sling in, kind of thing sling, yeah and would lift her or they did it with humans first um so all the men were taking it turns i'm going to go with this lifting up and putting on the boat taking off so learning how to do the job so together on yeah. the fly absolutely yeah. okay so then they um uh, like i said we were going all night taking it in turns swimming around, you know swimming her free swimming so that she wouldn't because she would list every now and then tilt okay. so that was a worry not getting her bearings so um we were told there was a whole heap of these they think this type of whales right out to sea after krill and there was a big feeding going on out there. We would, were originally told 1% chance if she was released, but I had to believe there was more chances than that, and I still think that now. So yeah. they lifted her in the morning, early hours, 5, 6 o'clock, just on daylight. A few of them, Lex was included. He was allowed to go out with them, which he took really big thrill about. So they lifted her on board and um, went out an hour and a half, still putting buckets of water they could put mm-hmm. over her. And when they got to the spot where they thought 
You could see seagulls and that sort of thing. Obviously they were feeding off what was being taken. Um, they put her over the side and Lex being Lex said, as she's listing, I mean, we don't want her listing from side to side, she needs to balance. So they put her in a bit further so that she would learn herself to balance again. Mm-hmm. And um, he was going to hop over. I couldn't even think of doing that, but he was going to hop over if she didn't, if she kept listing and couldn't keep up. So anyway, that didn't happen. So she listed a little bit, did a duck dive, headed the way that everyone wanted her to go, which was out to sea with the east, headed out there. But before she went, she just went and back again. And he said it was like, thank you, I'm heading she, home. She looked back again. Oh, it was, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, well, let's hope she's lived an amazing life on the well, sea. Well, I like to believe you said I gave yeah. her 1% chance, but I think she would have made it. That was yeah. the head bloke of Orco. He said, oh, we didn't know where she could have been young. She still needed a mum, it seems. So, um, yeah. And we all just need hope. And I think whales are one of those things that have oh. just um, give us all hope because they've come back in such oh, massive they? numbers. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and hopefully stay that way. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. So a happy ending again. So that was good. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, June. I thought I think there's probably so many animals out there that are having great lives because of your impact. Oh, um <laughs> So in a few words, um, I just want to ask you in regards to our local environment and climate change, can you tell me what has you really fired up right now? Uh, well, the land clearing is my biggest thing yeah, um, because that affects the animals. So that's, mm. that's no good. That's yeah. no, it's no good having that. So I'd have to say land clearing, but it's just such a massive land clearing. It's not tree here and there. It's just total obscurity left nothing yeah no hollows and the time it takes for those trees to establish hollows again which i'm not seeing out our way at all mm. um is is a worry so yeah that would be my main thing and then me too the, the <laughs> next best thing well the next second thing not the best thing would be um i am sick of hearing of animals kangaroos horses i'm afraid um being culled yeah and the times that i have gone to where they've been not cold, but where um, the government's come in and got shooters to wipe out the kangaroos because they're on property that they might they might tread on a two-legged lizard or something. I don't yeah. The story is when really in reality they just want to do a housing development, but they don't tell you that. Yeah. I've been to one where I was observing. I happened to visit at the time with my girlfriend. We went up there. They were culling all these kangaroos, so they herd them into a corner. So they can't get out with canvas walls. They put up safe cloth type stuff and shoot them. Oh, and the joeys, we weren't allowed to go in and rescue them. Oh. They wouldn't let us go in and rescue those babies. And that's happening all the time. Yeah. People don't hear about it. Keep it pretty quiet now. Uh, now and then, and that was in Canberra, I might add too. So under his nose. But yeah. anyway, uh, well, one couple of friends went to jail over it because she had a big spit, a doctor and wildlife careless so I was only yeah. a visitor but I just happened to get in on it as well so and well, not that to not me to sounds to like a total justified rage for the, the thing that you oh, really care about well rage yeah. and crying you name it yeah and it feels like no one's really listening yeah that's, that's what really gets me yeah I hear that and can you tell me what's breaking your heart at the moment breaking my heart at the moment is me personally and with my husband Alex um, after going through the fires and then going to hospital, I was in there for like five months in the burns unit up there. I went in at 67 years of age. I'm 71 now. That's four years gone. I feel like I'm a, an old, old lady with no strength. I feel like I've lost years. 
from mm. being in that fire. Going into hospital, I come out, I have no strength. I can't do things outside like I used to. I used to love working outside. Yeah. Picking holes, filling holes in from the wombat under the house. Yeah. And Lex, Lex, not too bad. I think he just pushes himself and it's just becoming, that to me is heartbreaking. I, I feel like I've aged and not enjoyed that 20 years that I've missed. That's how it feels. Yeah. So that's, that's a big problem for me. Yeah. And that brings me to tears a lot of times. A lot's changed for you since oh, Absolutely. Since it's it's yeah. total, uh, totally turned my life around to what I was to what I am now. It's just not the same anymore. So, And I yeah. was hoping I would gradually get like that, but it came suddenly. Yeah. So I don't know whether you lose muscle build-up and stuff like that. I don't know. But, um, yeah. yeah. I think a big part of my wanting to have you in here too was just to celebrate the work that you've done over your lifetime. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. And to know that that's enough. Well, some of it was yeah. good, some of it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> Not always yes, happy endings, unfortunately, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but always try to, to get them through. So. And can you tell me what's bringing you joy in your life at the moment? What's bringing me joy? Well, I've told you that one with the wombat walking past yeah. with the baby. That, that to me. The animals coming back. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And all, all the kangaroos, the ones that did survive the fires, I don't know how, but they did. I think out of 12, I think uh, three or four did. Ones are ringing, I think, and they've all got their babies all about the same age. Okay. And yep. the funny story was, just to cut it a little bit short, was I came home Sunday from being down the coast with my sisters and Lex said, oh, one of the joeys was running around not near its mum or anything. I don't know who's the mum is. Okay. So um, I've gone inside, unpacked my bags, and he said, I'll oh, come and have a look at this. So I went outside. So the four girls that I have gotten two young boys, the four girls have all got joeys. Well, one of them had two joeys and one uh. was empty. <laughs> so I couldn't find its own mum, so I just parked myself in this one. And she was quite um, happy to have the two. But, I mean, the legs, so I've got photos, four legs hanging out. Oh, dear. So, anyway, I ended up having to try and pull her out by the tail and get her out. Unfortunately, it was the right one, headed her towards the one that didn't have one. Well, she hopped in. So, so one's a good mum and one's not so good. Oh, I like, I like that. They're yeah. um, bringing up their joeys yeah, in I community. She's such a gentle soul. Um, uh, Jenny, her name is. She's such a gentle, Henry, a gentle soul that she would take them all, I think. Awesome. I love that story. Um, and also just last thing, what is bringing you hope at the moment, June? Um, I don't know that there is. Well, I wouldn't say there isn't hope. There's always hope. I feel overloaded with the problems in the world mm-hmm. and I've got to sort of steer into one direction and have that as my hope. I can't, I don't feel it now mentally. I can take the whole lot on like I used to. I would be upset about anything and everything or happy about things. And so my own little world on that property would be my hope that I see these animals hopefully still carry on with their yeah. lives as well. That to me is, is the hope. I hope to see that. And I certainly hope the land clearing stops. That's a really big yeah. thing. But um, where I am near National Park, I find lots of trees. I'm happy there. Not so big old growth. So it's your place. Your it place is. there. My that happy gives place. You your hope. And yeah. hopefully a hope, hopeful place. Yeah. And something to focus on in yes. amongst yeah. all the heaviness in the world right now. I do now. find it a bit heavy now. Before I yeah. didn't, I'd be speaking up and yelling out and having a go at someone, you know, letting their dogs run off and chasing animals. I, I couldn't understand that. But now it's just... On my property. Yeah. I have to keep it there or have nothing. Yeah. So, um, what you can focus yeah, on. Yeah. That's such a 
beautiful wisdom that you're sharing with us today. Oh, is it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Just how I feel. I think so. Thank you so much for being here, June. I think we've supported each other in our environmental work. Yes. And we both seem to share some of the similar kind of rage and then the grief that comes with the increasing habitat loss. So thank you for supporting me online and always being the first person to sign a petition <laughs> oh I've God. shared or, you know, oh, support nothing. me in something I'm fired yeah, up about. It, yeah. re- it really means a lot to me and some days when the hope's hard to find, it's those little um, moments of being in solidarity that help. Yeah, and it's not so much that I um, try to sign it quickly. I just feel in a way that's something I can do. Yes. Whereas I can't get out there as much and, and protest and do the things that I might have done before but... At least I know that you're bringing that up for us to see and, yeah. and, and get involved in, in some way or another. So yeah, thank and the, you. those are the things that matter too, yeah. is just finding little ways yeah. to engage and within everything helps. your ability at yeah. this point. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you. So thank you, yeah, thank you. <laughs> from all the wildlife um, and thank you from Manana for everything that you've done and oh, thank, thank you, you for being in my community. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, June. that concludes this episode of Active and Effective, a podcast about the many creative ways that women can find to be active and effective for the places they love and the people that they love, and how we can lead joyful lives alongside that in uncertain times. If anything from this episode resonates, check out all the resources that are available in the show notes. Active and Effective is a collaboration of Sunny Road, Storywalks. It is made possible with funding from the Shoalhaven Arts Board, Sense of Place Grants.